Hello everybody and thanks for dropping in. Today's show, we're going to discuss one of the two things that shooters argue about the most. No, I'm not talking about 9mm versus 45. Today, we're going to be discussing stopping power. That's right, that unquantifiable thing that everybody has an opinion about. So let's get to it. Hey, Scallywags, welcome to another episode of our podcast, A Pirate Talks Guns. I'm your host, John Sello. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. So welcome, everyone. Got to apologize for this podcast coming out a couple days late. Wife and I had the grandchildren here for a week, and... Had to fly him back to Illinois, deep behind enemy lines. I ended up in Chicago at O'Hare Airport and stuck there for hours as my flight was delayed. But I'm back now and we're going to get this out. So stopping power. What exactly is it? This is something that people will argue endlessly about, normally citing their favorite caliber to say that this is what you need to defend yourself with against anything because it has stopping power, knockdown power, etc., etc. These terms are usually bandied about by the gun counter guy who's trying to sell a gun with the sales pitch that, you know, this 500 Winchester Magnum is going to stop a charging grizzly bear. But really, there's no way to accurately predict the effect a projectile is going to have on, in a defense situation, we'll say, your aggressor. Now, I'm going to go on record here as saying that there's no such thing as a magic bullet. There is nothing that you can physically carry or fire that's going to guarantee the one-shot stop holy grail that everybody talks about. Simple physics will tell you that anything that's capable of projecting that much energy onto an opponent, you also have that, you know, equal and opposite reaction thing, so you're going to have the recoil coming back. For it to be manageable, the gun would be way too heavy for you to carry or to fire unless it was mounted on something. So in the context of a defensive handgun, there's there's no golden BB that you're going to find. To really understand this, you have to take into account the way a projectile affects the human body. It does so two different ways, psychologically and physiologically. Now, psychologically, maybe, maybe not. It depends on your opponent, their threshold of pain, where your bullet placement is. I've seen and dealt with a lot of people that had really horrific gunshot wounds that were still in the fight. I've had people that were shot and didn't even know it until we told them. So the psychological aspect isn't a given. It's not a guarantee. There's nothing saying that if you shoot someone, they're going to give up the fight and say, oh my God, I've been shot. doesn't work that way. Physiologically, there's some control over that as a shooter. When your projectile strikes a person, it creates two wound channels, a temporary wound channel and a permanent wound channel. Now, the temporary wound channel is the energy of the bullet being absorbed by the body, and it's pushing the skin, bones, viscera, things of that nature out of its way. They tell us that we're mostly water. I kind of doubt that because I'm out on the range when it's 100 degrees and I'm not able to sweat away the post-retirement weight that I've put on, but we'll go with that. 
we'll go with us that were mostly water. You can't compress a liquid. This is why hydraulic jacks and forklifts work so well. So when a bullet strikes a body, what it's trying to do is compress the liquids in, that comprise our internal organs, skin, things of that nature. Now, as soon as the bullet finishes passing through, that temporary wound channel snaps right back. It closes up again. And you're left with the permanent wound channel. The permanent wound channel is the diameter of the bullet. If you're using full metal jacket bullets, the diameter of the wound channel is going to be the diameter of the bullet all the way through until the bullet stops or exits the body. If you're using proper defensive ammo that expands, your permanent wound channel is going to be the size of the expanded bullet as it penetrates. Again, nothing you can carry and fire from your person is going to be capable of knocking a human being down. This is where the physics part of this comes in, where you're transferring the energy of the projectile onto your opponent. Now, the way to determine what your muzzle energy is going to be, in other words, the, the amount of energy that that bullet carries out of the gun, you can do that by using a simple formula. You multiply the velocity of the bullet by itself, take that number, multiply the bullet weight, and divide that by 450,240. That will give you the muzzle energy of the projectile. Now, I'm no math major. I had brains enough to marry an accountant and let her handle all my bookkeeping and things of that nature. If you're not real good with math, I've put a link in the show notes to a ballistic calculator where all you have to do is plug in the number of the velocity of the projectile and the weight, and it'll give you the muzzle energy. Now, if you're wondering where that 450,240 number comes from, that's a constant that's applied. I've read the formula. I don't understand it. I don't claim to. Just to say that if you think that's a bizarre formula, just know that the boots that the Queen's guards wear, the weight of them must not exceed the weight of three dead swans and 10 cucumber sandwiches. So by comparison, the Muzzle energy calculation doesn't seem nearly as bizarre. And if you've never fallen down a YouTube rabbit hole, you're probably wondering where I came up with that. Well, there's the answer to that. So burning through all the hype, when you're selecting your defensive ammunition, don't look for knockdown power. First of all, manufacturers aren't going to have that on the box. They're going to have the bullet weight, velocity, things of that nature. You can do the math yourself if that's important to you. Now, the best way to do research to determine what the best defensive ammunition for your caliber is, is to look to the FBI. The reason I say the FBI is because they order millions of rounds of ammunition over the course of a year. Every ammunition manufacturer wants that contract, so they send the FBI literally truckloads of ammunition to test. They use ballistic gelatin. They look for 18 inches of penetration. Everything you need in a defensive round. Expansion, temporary and permanent wound channels. They factor in all of that. Currently, in their 9mm guns, the FBI is using Hornaday critical duty ammunition. It's a 135 grain bullet, traveling 1,100 feet per second. Expands reliably feeds in, in just about everything they put it through. So that's something to look for if you carry a 9mm. Other sources to look for are the NYPD, the New York Police Department, 
and the LAPD, Los Angeles Police Department. Again, huge agencies, ammunition manufacturers want their contracts. They give them tons of ammunition to test, and they test it thoroughly. Now, those are three good sources of data. What I prefer to do when I'm choosing around for what I'm going to carry for personal defense is to look at what the agencies are using and then try to find how that's performed in actual shootings. Some of the calibers that are out there right now, uh, for instance, this new 30 Super Carry, that bridge between 380 and 9 millimeter that nobody was really looking for, to the best of my knowledge, nobody's been shot by that round yet. So that's going to be something that's going to be difficult to find actual data on. Compare that to something like the 45 automatic that's been killing people for hundreds of years. Those are pretty easy to find. Now, I've been doing this research for far more years than I care to admit to, and I have yet to read of a handgun round that actually knocked an opponent down. Hey, if you live in Anderson or just want to know what's going on in the city and the surrounding area, if you didn't realize it, Anderson now has a weekly variety show. Every Monday night it streams live on the Dead Horse channel on YouTube. You can either watch it live while it streams or watch it on demand. It's a variety show format, comedy, current events, interviews with area business folks, and everything that's going on. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Again, that's Nighttime with Odie on the Dead Horse YouTube channel. Catch an episode or two of it, watch it, enjoy it, and have fun. Questions about knockdown power, stopping power, come up in just about every class I teach. There's really no good one answer for that. What you have to understand is in a gunfight, your opponent has a say in the outcome of it. As I mentioned earlier, tolerance to pain, narcotics in the system, any anything that's going to dampen down the psychological response can keep somebody in the fight for quite a while. Along with that, bad hits, peripheral hits, they're not doing you any good either. If you're not getting good center mass hits, putting projectiles where they need to go to disrupt the central nervous system, destroy organs, any anything that's going to stop the fight. And remember, that's, that's why we shoot. We don't shoot to kill, we shoot to stop. In a gunfight, it isn't so much the size of the gun as it is the marksmanship. If you're not getting good center mass hits, you're just wasting time and lead. This is why when you train, you need to train under some form of pressure. Run 50 meters before engaging targets, anything to get that heart rate up like it would be in a gunfight. Unless you're used to having people shoot at you and shoot back, you don't realize how your respiration and heartbeat skyrocket under stress like that. It's one of the big reasons I'm, I'm a proponent of shooting in IDPA, the International Defensive Pistol Association matches, because it takes you out of your comfort zone of standing there and pegging away at a target 15 yards away that isn't moving. IDPA teaches you to shoot, move, shoot moving targets, target discretion, because there'll be no shoot targets in there that you're, you're not supposed to engage. And this is what you need. These are the skills you need to develop to survive a gunfight. If you talk to people that have actually been in gunfights, you'll you'll find that 
knockdown power, stopping power wasn't anything they were thinking of at the time. They were concentrating on putting bullets where they needed to go. You need to depressurize your opponent, you know, blood out, air in, end the fight. So do your research, pick a proper defensive round that is going to function reliably in your gun, and practice putting them where they need to go. Hope I cleared some stuff up, uh, didn't confuse you or anything like that. Again, the calculator for muzzle energy, the link to that is in the show notes. If you enjoyed this show and learned anything from it and think that somebody you know may benefit from it or enjoy listening to it, please, by all means, recommend it to them. I appreciate you dropping by and listening, and we'll have another one up in a couple of weeks. Until then, shoot safe, shoot effectively, and enjoy the sport. <laughs>